Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment. Yes, a Black History moment with Bo. And I hope this late summer day finds you doing swell. Meaning there's an ample supply of love and contentment within your household. And if you should happen to be a new listener, I hope you stick around for a while. You might hear some things that you find very interesting. But I gotta tell you, we're not a long show. We're just on the air long enough for you to get to the grocery store or get to work. And I hope what you hear stays on your mind all day, that you bring it to your dinner table and you talk about it with your family, with your kids and with your grandkids, because this is how our stories are told. This is how our people are remembered. And this program is going to give you some truth and some facts. But we must remember that truth sounds like hate to those that hate the truth. And no one is hated more than those that speak it. You see, the truth can cost you your life. That's why so many people are afraid to speak it. But we aren't scared on our show because we know they want our culture, but not our struggle. So right about now, we're gonna slip into darkness and I'm gonna tell you a little something about DeSantis's Florida and the truth. Throughout much of the 20th century, Florida's warm climate and long sunny days managed to attract the nation's elites. And the crazy idea that Florida was heaven on earth fueled an economic boom in the 1920s. And like so many others, what was left out of this narrative are the black men and women whose labor made all of this possible. You see, in South Florida, this meant that when wealthy whites flocked to spots like Palm Beach to vacation in high-end hotels or to build luxurious mansions, it became necessary to build a counterpoint, a working-class neighborhood where the workers who assisted the city's elites could live. And this led to the development of two black neighborhoods in West Palm Beach. Northwest and Pleasant City. You see, if you traveled from West Palm Beach to Palm Beach or vice versa, you had to cross one of three bridges, the Flagler Memorial Bridge, the Royal Park Bridge, or the Southern Boulevard Bridge. You see, because West Palm Beach is nestled against the scenic intercoastal waterway, while Palm Beach sits on the ocean. But like many black communities in the Jim Crow America, Northwest and Pleasant City were not exclusively working class neighborhoods. And they became economically diverse communities with a thriving middle and upper class. 
well-off African-Americans made West Palm Beach a popular destination, and a few entrepreneurial-minded individuals seemed to have just the right amount of ingenuity and good timing to become self-made millionaires. One of those men was James Jerome Cracker Johnson. Now, Cracker Johnson, who gained his nickname on account of his blue eyes and resemblance to his white father, had a life that reads like fiction. He had humble beginnings as the son of a black maid, and he allegedly made his fortune by investing his gambling wins and funds from a pawnbroking business into South Florida's real estate market. His home, located in West Palm Beach Northwest neighborhood, served as a base for an extravagant lifestyle in which he was a kingpin and liquor smuggler on one hand and a philanthropist and community investor on the other. And in 1928, Johnson, along with Alonzo Kill Jackson and L. Schuler, opened the White Way Boxing Arena in West Palm Beach. The arena could seat up to a thousand people and was the only one of its kind owned and operated by black Southerners. Johnson earned so much money in ventures like this that when Florida's housing market collapsed, he loaned the city of West Palm Beach $50,000 to survive the worst of it. Nevertheless, Johnson himself did not escape the Great Depression unscanted. In 1936, he faced federal tax liens against his property for the years 1925 to 1934, totaling over $30,000. But by the 1940s, Johnson had clearly recovered from whatever financial issues he'd faced. And by now, West Palm Beach was now home to around 12,000 African-Americans. And despite limited voting rights, they elected three African-Americans to supervise the city's black elementary and high schools. It was home to thriving churches such as Payne Chapel AME Church and St. Patrick's Episcopal Church. Johnson felt at home in this community and had a reputation for giving money to the church and sending black youth to college. West Palm Beach was also the home to many black-owned businesses. Granted, whites owned some of the property on which these black businesses were located, but possibly nowhere else is it true that only Negroes operated businesses in the Negro section of the city. This was the world Johnson thrived in. He owned and operated several businesses in West Palm Beach, including a movie theater, nightclub, and segregated jail. The employees at his nightclub, Florida Bar, were required to wear dinner jacket, tuxedo trousers, wing collar dress shirts, and bow ties. A 1942 spread in the crisis featured photos of the bar's interior and retired baseball player Johnny Reese working as a mixologist. 
perhaps images of the entertainers, which included a drag queen named Billy McAllister, were considered too scandalous to publish. Other businesses included the Palm Garden Drugstore, the Economical Drugstore, and Coleman's Funeral Home. Now, it is said other businesses included the Silver Bar and Grill, mentioned in the 1947 Negro Motorist Green Book and several medical practices. Johnson was murdered outside his bar in 1946 at age of 68 years. The exact circumstances of Johnson's murder was unclear, with some people insinuating that it was ordered. He left his wife, Arilla Jackson, an estate worth $150,000. Despite his death, Cracker Johnson's name continued to resurface throughout the 1950s. In the 1950s, West Palm Beach continued to attract affluent black Americans. Jet Magazine's Society World section regularly featured West Palm Beach's residents, marriages, divorces, and world travels. Johnson's daughter, Claudia Johnson Bolin, was part of that social scene and a well-respected school teacher. Her social status was undoubtedly connected to her father's legacy and the fact that she reportedly owned quite a bit of property in the area, likely inherited from her father. Her social status was further cemented through her marriage to Dwight Bolin, one of the first African Americans to join the city's police force. But unfortunately, her marriage also led to her death. No one won no less violent than her father's. In 1954, Dwight Bolin stabbed Claudia Johnson Bolin in their suburban home. He then used his surface weapon to kill himself. Claudia left her estate valued at $124,000 in 1954 to her niece, Claudia Louise Williams. She only left $1,000 to her deceased husband. Historic Northwest neighborhood fell into decline during the 20th century's last few decades, but recently it has been the focus of revitalization efforts. Some locals have hoped that Cracker Johnson's legacy would play an important role, and in 2002, the city of West Palm Beach funded 1.3 million loan to two organizations the White Oak Real Estate Development Corporation and the Northwest Community Development Partnership to build affordable housing in the Northwest community. Cracker Johnson's Old Stomping Grounds in an effort to spur more home development. In 2004, mother and daughter, Serena and Natalie Hopkins, purchased Johnson's home. It needed to be saved and renovated, which the Hopkins duo did. They opened the home to the community and got a grant to fund 
neighborhood discussions in the living room. In 2021, the West Palm Beach Community Redevelopment Agency announced plans for further renovation projects for the historic Northwest District, such as an inventory of significant people and places, which included Johnson's Florida Bar. The revitalization aims to maintain the neighborhood's integrity and honor its past while presenting a solution to ongoing challenges. For instance, Sunset Lounge, the area's only place the top-shelf Black entertainers could perform, has captured people's imagination because entertainers like Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald performed there. The CRA purchased the building and began renovations, but the cost rose from an expected $10.5 million to $16.4 million, making it difficult to continue funding the project. Money, power, and race were central to the creation of Cracker Johnson's Northwest Neighborhood and the entire city of West Palm Beach. As one resident stated, Palm Beach and West Palm Beach is a tale of two cities, and it has been for its whole existence. They will bulldoze the whole neighborhood and act like we were never there. There is little doubt that the neighborhood will be revitalized, but one hopes the revitalization will be restorative that it will not lead to the displacement of the very people whose ancestors created the city's rich culture. So there you have it, my friends, the story of James Cracker Johnson. And this is also the story of West Palm Beach, Florida, a town in a city that was created and built by black people. But knowledge of that was always stored in the darkness. But we will always slip into the darkness and bring it to the light. But this is just one story of the accomplishments of our people that have been slipped into the darkness. There are thousands of them. And as long as I'm alive and the creek don't rise, I'm going to try to bring them to you. You know, as far as I'm concerned, being a teacher and not teach is a waste of an education. And likewise, being a historian and not talk about our history is the same. It's a wonder that they don't want black history taught in Florida schools. My friends, that music tells me that it is once more that time But before I dart out of here, I have one message for you. And that is, who knows why we were taught to fear the witches and not those who burned them alive. Have a great day, my friends. And peace to my ancestors and my elders. I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. Until next time, it has been my honor.